Hi, I'm Francis. And I'm Alice. And welcome to this week's episode of Two Friends in a Pod for friends who want to catch up on all things movies, music, and pop culture. So today we're going to talk about Juno, which is the 2007 movie、um, starring Elliot Page, Michael Sarah, Jennifer Garner, Jason Bateman. But before we get onto that, I just want to talk about one thing, well, a couple of things with you, Francis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What so, could they be? <laughs> So last week, Kylie Jenner announced that she was pregnant with baby number two. And she posted that on Wednesday, the 8th of September, on, onto Instagram via an Instagram video. I mean, firstly, it was very rude of her to post that right after we had recorded <laughs> our episode. So we couldn't discuss it in a timely fashion. <laughs> <laughs> this is old news now. So, like,、yeah. I tried to look up how many people have watched this. And the only figure I can find is that three days ago, over. 129 million people had seen this video. So it is very much old. The whole entire world has seen it <laughs> by now.、Yeah. But thought we'd just discuss it anyway, since it's imperative news. Even though people have seen the videos, I'm sure they're just waiting for a hot take on it. <laughs> That's what's been missing in the world. <laughs> the thoughts of like, Alice and Francis on Kylie Jenner's second baby. Yeah. <laughs> The main thing is, she revealed it as though it was some massive secret, but it wasn't a secret because we all knew. Yeah, so the internet had done its thing. I think on her 24th birthday, I think is when I started seeing the circulation of rumors. And it was mostly to do with a mismatch of the outfits and nails、um, that coincided with her birthday posts. Like they were clearly photos that were taken previously, and then she'd like post them on her birthday, and they were. I think out of line with what Kylie would normally post for a birthday, and especially this particular birthday. She had this whole 24 karat gold collection with Kylie Cosmetics. So it should have been a big celebration, but it wasn't. I think through the video, we found out that it was. It's just that we were not privy to it. So <laughs> we didn't know that it happened. How dare she not share that with us? <laughs> Worth pointing out as well the father of this new child, this new Kardashian that will be brought into this world is. Once again, what's his name? Fuck. Travis Scott. Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were trying to like, say his real name, which is, I think his last name is Weber. 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 Yeah, something? Call me Weber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's done it again. Yeah. He's done it again. <laughs> Congratulations. Helping to expand the Kardashian Jenner clan. Thank you, Travis Scott. When she was pregnant with, with Stormy, she announced that video via、uh, YouTube. And that was, a, that was probably a big deal because I think she kind of disappeared off the internet for approximately 10 months or nine months. However long it takes for a baby to be born. Yeah,、talk. I was going to say it's either nine or 10. It's one of those、yeah. numbers, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry. <laughs> so she posted that. So she kind of like disappeared off social media, which she was. It's just like her job, basically, at this point in time. Like, she was an Instagram darling and very influential on that platform. So, the fact that she kind of disappeared off the face of the earth is kind of like, you know, it's odd behavior for her. So, I think everyone at that point was just, was just like, yeah, she's definitely pregnant. And then, as soon as she releases the video, everyone's like, oh my God, she's pregnant. Like, <laughs> like I can't believe it. Like, what? Just, <laughs> what is happening? Because I. <laughs> I very clearly remember this day. I think because of the time difference, we, we saw the video when it was the morning. So I think it was like the first thing that I saw when I woke up on this particular <laughs> day. And I was like, oh my God, she's pregnant. Even though, like, 
you know, the day before I'd just been like, you know, she's definitely pregnant, like whatever. Like I don't care. Oh but then <laughs> and then <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, like you just like, oh whatever. Like it's it's not a big deal. Um yeah. we all know this. And then as soon as she announces that she's officially pregnant, it's like, oh my god, and then I'm texting you, I'm texting everybody. Callie's <laughs> <laughs> pregnant. Callie's pregnant. <laughs> But she is. She's having a little baby, whatever, to compliment yeah. Stormy, who's now yeah. <laughs> whose world has now been shattered. She will not enjoy that <laughs> only child privilege. I know, and she has been enjoying it for a while. I think for I mean, three yeah. long years, it's time to give up the throne. I think so. That will be Kylie's next venture, I suppose. <laughs> Mothering two children. Yes. <laughs> also, to note that Kylie' baby is coming out soon, so. If you read the um, description, it's like prams, cots, diapers. I I would have thought it would have been like baby skincare, like you know, like bath stuff and lotions and things. Yeah, like lotions that. Think, or or like yeah. at the most, like maybe just baby clothes. Yeah, but I think she's going like full thing. So oh I'm expecting like Kylie baby like whole room. You can get your whole room decked out in Kylie baby or something like in like that. You know that blush pink that she. Her branding is. Oh my god, it's like she's raising your child. The next best thing. (laughs) So yeah, just (laughs) I don't know if I should edit this out, but I honestly, whenever people say I'm pregnant, or if they say something like, Oh, we're trying for a baby, Mm -hmm. I have one specific tweet that always pops up in my head whenever people say something like that. I know the normal response is like, Oh, congratulations, or like, I hope it goes well. I will read the tweet to you. Again, we might have to Freaks. edit this because we do have a young audience profile. <laughs> the analytics say zero to 17, so I don't want a three-year-old <laughs> hearing this. <laughs> Shatter their whole world, Francis. <laughs> but the tweet is, you say we're trying for a child. I hear my husband's been doing big, huge c*** in my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Credit to Nina Oyama, who is an Australian comedian. She's the person who tweeted this. But I I have to be honest, whenever people say anything about like, we're trying for a baby or like when pregnant, mm-hmm. all I hear is, yes. Yep. Well, thanks to you, I might be hearing that in my head now. <laughs> That's all I hear. Like, we've been doing it raw. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. I know. I like that. Like, it sounds so like... But that's what it is when people say we're trying for a baby. Like, what other? Like, yeah, that's but what they're telling you it's like a nice way of saying we're having sex think, a lot. But people want want the nice part of it because yeah. it is to procreate. It's not <laughs> simply for pleasure. <laughs> anyway, that's all I hear. Yeah, okay, so I wanted to share that with you and the world. Now everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever but, tell me, like. We're trying for a baby, just know that's what's in well, my now, head. No one's going to tell you. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> now there's going to be like, oh, by the way, I had a baby yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hide it from me like Kylie hides it from the whole world. <laughs> but yeah, huge news that congrats, Kylie. Congrats, Travis. <laughs> congrats, Stormy. I, we love this for you. Congrats to Kris Jenner as well. Yeah. <laughs> Another another Kardashian for her empire. I know. <laughs> Basically just building more workers. 
Anyway, speaking anyway. of the Jenners and Kardashians, pop culture. <laughs> I think it's been a very big week. Well, it's been a big two days. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Despite, I guess, COVID, it kind of like feels like things are going back to normal in a sense because we've had the VMAs mm-hmm. and we've had the, you know, big one, which is the Met Gala. Yeah, so last year the Met Gala didn't go ahead because of COVID. So big events happening for people who are not you and I. This year's Met Gala, which is a, it's it's meant to be a um, fundraiser, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, as professional journalists, we did our due diligence. <laughs> we did a quick Google, found out it's a fundraiser. Yeah, so basically it went on Wikipedia. So <laughs> if you want to know more about the um, Met Gala, I'll, I'll link the Wikipedia page <laughs> in the description box. No, don't say we don't love you. <laughs> but, okay, so this year's theme, because I'm going to assume that you know what the Met Gala is by now, um, this year's theme is, in America, a lexicon of fashion. So in translation, this is a celebration of American fashion. Yes. Which is very interesting when you look at the looks. I would have thought at least maybe the bare minimum you could do is wear an American designer. But I feel like exactly. a lot of people did not do that. That is exactly what I was thinking. Like I saw <laughs> that I, I, I knew the theme and I was like, okay, that's really interesting how people are going to incorporate this into this, into the, the fashion and stuff. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of people were wearing like European designers. So I was like, so then... I guess if you're going to wear someone who's not an American designer, then you have to wear something that kind of alludes to the theme, like itself. I think because this theme is so broad as well. So you could kind of make it about anything. Whereas I think with other themes, they've been a bit more specific, like heavenly bodies, like, you know, something a bit more, something like looking more or referencing more like historical, like Catholic church or like church symbolism and things like Mm. that. Or like camp where it's like a sort of style or a look. Yeah. Whereas with like American fashion, like what is American fashion? Is that like everyday fashion? Brandy I'm Melville. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Cali girl. <laughs> mm, I'm just wearing H&M. That's also owned by European. <laughs> <laughs> Scandinavian yeah. fashion at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think even when the Met Gala has such specific themes, like heavily mm-hmm. bodies, like you mentioned, or even camp, I mm-hmm. think one of the guarantees whenever you're watching the Met Gala is you know people won't stick to the theme even when it's something <laughs> as prescriptive as like yeah. camp or even punk so yeah. I think it's no surprise that with a theme as broad as like America like what even is that then people were just like you know what whatever mm-hmm. I'm just gonna wear whatever I want well I think that's a thing like because it is so it could be interpreted in so, di- so mm. many different ways you could definitely look at something and be like okay maybe they did they chose this because of this but then you look at some other looks and you're like oh, I don't know <laughs> I don't even know what you were trying to tell me <laughs> at some point like are you just wearing a fancy gown yeah well I think so I mean you know we before we started the pod we had a look at some of the clothes I always feel mm-hmm. a bit silly looking at the clothes because I'm not like extremely literate when it comes to fashion I don't know the history and I know there's a lot of deep references sometimes so honestly to me I'm just like is that pretty like or is that interesting and that's the depth of my analysis (laughs) (laughs) I think with the Met Gala the the probably bare minimum that I would personally go for is like something that's interesting to look at Mm. whilst also being like whatever the 
the theme is. So I see like a, I saw a lot of references to like cowboys. Um, denim. That's denim. So anything that had denim or like cowboy boots in it, I was like, okay, I definitely get that that's American. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> at least they're on theme. Like it's like pretty damn obvious that they're, they're on theme. So I think JLo, mm. she wore a very like cowboy inspired, like with the leather and the, the ties and then the cowboy hat, obviously. Yeah. And then also T- Tessa Thompson wore cowboy boots. So also she's on theme. <laughs> <laughs> and I think J-Lo, going back to J-Lo, she also wore Ralph Lauren, I think, which is an American designer. So I feel like she yeah. just went for it. Yes. As the kids think- say, she understood <laughs> the assignment. She, uh, yes. Okay. She understood <laughs> the assignment. But I think to go further to that, I don't know if I particularly enjoyed her look because it was in theme she she did understand the assignment she did wear american fashion mm. i say but i don't know if it looked good <laughs> it was interesting it was interesting yeah 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 um, but yeah a lot of western in, inspired um outfits coming out so i'm looking at pharrell williams who wore mm. like a leather cowboy western, yeah western, yeah but it was chanel which is fine to me that's fine at yeah. least you know what you're doing <laughs> and like maluma also wore like a red Versace, Western-inspired outfit. I'm like, okay, they at least got it. Yeah. CL also wore this huge denim, I don't know what it's called. Overcoat? Overcoat, yeah. <laughs> With like a, a white diaper. <laughs> I think um, they're shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I know why I used their diaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think she still looked cool. She had like a very cool haircut, very sort of yeah. like, um, I would not say... a haircut, a hairdo. Yeah, I would say she was probably one that when I saw, I was like, okay, I definitely enjoy this look. Um, the fact that she's wearing Alexander Wang, I can, I'm just going to ignore that fact for now. <laughs> she's not been on Diet Prada recently. <laughs> she has not been anyway. But I think the actual clothing itself is pretty good. Like it's the denim, as you can say, like it's a, definitely a reference to American fashion, like, you know, the history of denim. But I think like it has some inspiration from like traditional like hanbok and stuff like that. So like the tie and like I guess the shape of the overcoat, and then also her hair. I think is possibly yeah. a nod to like something a bit more heritage. So I enjoyed yeah, that, and look. I think it looks like edgy in a way that we expect to see help. Because the other thing with the Met Gala is that you want people to look glamorous. I think as well. Lil Nas X with his three outfits, mm-hmm. taking sort of the yeah. crown from Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try. <laughs> He looked like a gold transformer or like a gold Power Ranger. I was thinking like C-3PO, so the gold statue from, not statue, the gold robot. Sorry. (laughs) What are Star Wars fans are going to cancel you now? Sorry, I'm also a Star Wars fan. But anyway. (laughs) That was a fake fan to me. (laughs) Yeah, it felt like a a gold robot style. Okay. I enjoyed that gold robot. So that gold armor look to me, I was like, oh, because that looks like Star Wars. I like that. That's that's kind of fun. Very like high tech or whatever. The first look with the gold robe. Yeah. I didn't get. I was like, it looks good, but I don't know what this is, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) It was just there to hide his Power Ranger C3PO cosplay. But he wore um, a bodysuit underneath. Mm. And to just to digress a bit, I much preferred his VMAs look, which is like an off-the-shoulder purple suit. Mm. If you haven't seen it, like, it looks really good. <laughs> but, yeah, 
And also speaking of glamour, Billie Eilish, I think as soon as I saw her, I was also like, that's a that's a hit for me. Um, she looked very like Marilyn Monroe-esque with this like huge Old Hollywood like, peach, like fluffy Oscar de la Renta gown. Like she looked good. She looked like a princess. Yeah, I, I think I really enjoyed that because I was like, is it particularly American? I think it's American maybe in reference, not particularly the mm. dress itself. But I think she like looks so good. She also got Oscar de la Renta to stop um, selling fur. Ah, what a woman. <laughs> so she, yeah, she was like, the only way I'll wear your dress is if you just like stop selling fur, full stop. And All Oscar, she ask. <laughs> yeah, the big boss of Oscar was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Her impact. <laughs> and then I also want to say Brianna and ASAP Rocky, I mm. think their point of American fashion was maybe COVID lockdown related with blankies. <laughs> blankies. I mean, why am I and not so there with my Udi then? <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's space it's a it's a beautiful Udi. That's what they're wearing. <laughs> so to me, I was like I think this is what they're going for. Like knowing Rihanna, I think this is probably something she'd just be like, yeah, just get me something that looks like this. Yeah. And I also want to point out that it's getting better, but the men continue to disappoint, <laughs> especially the men who just show up in a black suit and think, mm-hmm. I did my job. You didn't. You had like years to prepare. You had extra long <laughs> to prepare, if anything, for this Mecca and you still just show up in a regular old suit. Like at least... Yeah. Even like Justin Bieber's suit, he like tried, right? Like the shape mm-hmm. is a bit different. It's very wide. Mm-hmm. He did something. I'm just asking for the bare minimum. <laughs> so I really want men to step up to the plate and be better <laughs> next time. So actually, there were a few men looks that I really enjoyed. And I think Justin Bieber was one of them um, mm-hmm. with that cut of the suit. And then he wore Crocs with it. So that's a, that's pretty freaking <laughs> American. I think Crocs are American. But <laughs> to me, Crocs are like American fashion maybe. Yeah. Well, you also have um, Troy Sivan. And Troy Sivan looked good. I think his take on American fashion is probably like looking to the future with more like gender fluidity in mm. um, fashion and things like that. So things like that I can really appreciate. You had um, Sean Mendes show up without a shirt. Yeah. Okay. So he also went for a Western inspired look. If you look very closely, if you can look past his shirtless body, um, <laughs> he has like two like Western buckled belts. <laughs> How come I didn't see these belts? You couldn't look past his like <laughs> bare chest. <laughs> but I wasn't a huge fan of his look. I think it's been done. And Camila Cabello, I yeah, that it, happened. She just looked very purple. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure. Like some of the outfits just looked like, and maybe this is still American, but it just looked like high school prom. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is a, a not to high school prom, but I'm not sure if that's like a high fashion choice. Um, like it's the Met Gala. <laughs> yeah, like you kind of want from Met Gala, like glamour and to go a little bit over the top, probably. Mm. I liked Emily Blunt's look. Oh, she looks so she cute. She looks very beautiful with like the stars, shiny. Yeah, she wore Mimi, I think. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure how that's American, but oh, she looks good. I think it's a direct um, reference to a dress worn by Hedy Lamarr. So she's an American actress. Uh, yeah. From so, like the 30s or 20s or something. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. But yeah. yeah, it's one of those ones where you're like, if you don't know, and we clearly don't. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that because like someone else told me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like if you didn't know, I think the history of it is kind of lost. But 
That's why I take our criticism with a grain of salt because we know nothing about fashion history. <laughs> Apparently, Kendall Jenner also, her dress is inspired by a dress uh, Audrey Hepburn, yeah. Hepburn wore in My Fair Lady, which I didn't know as well until I read it like literally 10 minutes ago. I don't know. I just feel like with Kendall Jenner, I'm like, she's she's pretty, but she's so like bland. <laughs> I, 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 I don't you know. Say basic. I mean, like that too. I don't know what it is because she's so pretty, but every time I see her, I'm like, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, she's just like pretty in like this inoffensive way. Like you just know. Yeah, you know, she's going to look good in whatever she wears because she's tall, slender and pretty. Like, yeah, she's the quintessential model, I suppose. But there's nothing. I guess it doesn't seem daring anything. It's not like she's taking a risk. Yeah, it doesn't feel like she wears anything. She, she's just like a coat hanger, basically, for all her clothing. Mm. Um, whereas I think other people, it's just the, way, the way they stand and hold themselves, it it gives them like an air of what, elegance or like it's just a different um, personality. Yeah, and also I think a lot of people were doing like the sheer dress moment. So I especially think she didn't like particularly stand out, but did she look pretty? Sure. Yeah. Like I don't ever see Kendall wearing like a horse dress. I think she wants to look pretty. <laughs> just and yeah, not weird. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think actually, if I wonder what Kylie would have worn um, if she was to attend this Met Gala because she, I think, takes more risks fashion wise. Mm. I also, I guess, one of the big things about this Met Gala was that a lot of influencers were invited mm-hmm. of the likes of Addison Ray, our favorite, Emma Chamberlain, Nikki Tutorials was there, <laughs> Jackie Aynor. Uh, yeah. And this caused a bit of controversy because people think, why are these influencers being invited to such a prestigious event? Well, I think the consensus was, why are they invited except for Emma Chamberlain? Because she deserves to be there. <laughs> I think <laughs> most people can agree that she has been a big influence in fashion particularly. So mm-hmm. to be invited to the Met Gala isn't such a stretch. She's, I think, worked at Louis Vuitton quite a few times as well. So high fashion is not unusual for her or not in like a new area that she has been a part of. I've watched all her Louis Vuitton Paris vlogs. She's (laughs) been there a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like she works with them like quite a lot. So it's not unusual that she would also come to the Met Gala. So to me, I'm like, okay, I'm not surprised by her. I was a little bit surprised by other choices, I think. Addison Rae? Yes, specifically (laughs) that person. And not that way, like... I feel bad because I feel like every time we've mentioned Addison Ray on this podcast, we've always been like, ugh, Addison Ray. But like, I, I mean, I'm not like, I, I'm not familiar with her work, <laughs> if we want to call it that. <laughs> I'm not familiar with her art, but I know she's not known for her fashion. And I saw the look she has on for the Met Gala. I I'm did like, not like it. Yeah, it's it's nothing special. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's vintage Gucci. Like, it's it's a beautiful dress, but it does not stand out. Like Yeah. I think her dress and, you know, I love her, but Megan the Stallion as well. Like, some of their dresses mm-hmm. just looked like uninteresting. Yeah, but uninteresting. Yeah, like, probably not for the Met Gala. Mm. If she'd worn that to another award show or something, she would have looked really good. I think just in the context of Met Gala, you want something a bit more, like, outlandish or whatever. Um, it yeah, she doesn't stand out. Yeah, tons of looks. Rosé from Blackpink was there. I also felt like she looked pretty but uninteresting. Yeah. Blinks come at me. <laughs> so she was there with Saint Laurent. 
I was hoping that she would come with like a tailored suit or something like pantsuit yeah because I think St. Laurent is like really known for like it's tailoring and like that masculine edge like a bit rock star and she came in this like cute dress and all yeah a bit disappointing just looked like she was going to like home bar clubbing on a Friday night (laughs) you know what I mean like like it didn't look like anything she wouldn't wear yeah but it's like something she would probably wear to like a press conference or something you know like (laughs) (laughs) not to the Met Gala everyone like looked pretty and nice and you know fabulous but just hoping for a bit more edge more pizzazz yeah a little extra some something yeah for the mecca just once a year yeah Fair and all like it's still fun to kind of look through all the looks like there's definitely some interesting choices but yeah that was all over my instagram that and like vmas though i would say the mecca probably overtook the vmas a little bit for me there's so many looks Hailey bieber looked really basic i'm sorry she was sunny's though Oh my god, so different, so different. <laughs> Obviously, okay. Like Kim Kardashian came looking like uh, demental. Yeah. <laughs> so when I first saw this look, I was like, okay, whatever. But actually, what she's wearing is jersey material, and so I think that made me look at that look a little bit differently and made me appreciate it a bit more. So she's been wearing a lot of Balenciaga, Balenciaga recently, and specifically yeah. like the face covered looks, like the whole. Um, when she did Donda, and I think there was another Instagram post where she wore something similar. So like I think it would have thing. Yeah, so I think she would have had more. This look would have had more impact if she had not done those other previous mm. outings. Because so it'd she'd be like, like shocking and different. Yeah, I think so. I think there would be more impact. But since she's done all that now, when she came to the Met Gala, everyone's kind of like, oh, oh, another, another one. one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think like this look could have had like quite a lot of impact. Because I think it is a pretty interesting outfit. You look at the details. And is she back with Kanye? Like, what does this mean? Her outfit suggests that she's back with Kanye. But I have no idea. You don't know? No. (laughs) Strangely enough, I don't know. (laughs) I have to wait for another video announcement of, (laughs) I don't know, Kim doesn't usually do that. It's it's a very Kylie thing to make a big deal (laughs) out of the vlogs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the Met Gala. Yeah, like a lot of fun to look through. Again, we're not experts. We know nothing about fashion. We have zero <laughs> authority on this. But don't take yeah. us seriously. <laughs> we know nothing, but that was fun. <laughs> two gals from Sydney watching from afar. <laughs> Specifically, two girls from Sydney in their pajamas <laughs> critiquing fashion. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I have the perfect TikTok about that. I'll send it to you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Shall we move on to the main topic? Juno. (laughs) Good old Juno. So this movie came out in 2007. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes we mix up, we call like the character by the actor's name, but we'll try to be clear that when we refer to Juno as the character, who is the she? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I don't know, Alice, how would you sum up the plot for me? So Juno is a teenage girl who finds out that she's pregnant um, and then she considers abortion, but ultimately she decides to keep it. And then she finds a couple that want to adopt the child in a newspaper ad. And it's sort of like the antics behind all that, to sum it up quite briefly. So yeah, this movie came out in 2007. So actually we were in high school when this came out. I think with this movie, the screenplay or the language that's used in the screenplay is so distinct that... I've forgotten that some of the lingo that could come out of this movie kind of trickled into our everyday lives. 
Really? So, yeah, so specifically the term, term food baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had that written down as one of the lines. Yeah. But, like, specifically the term food baby, I think after watching, after we'd all watched Juno, that that kind of came into our everyday lives. So, like, you know, when you feel a bit bloated, you'd refer to it as, like, a food baby. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that that term existed in our repertoire <laughs> yeah. prior to this movie. Interesting. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you watched this movie? Like who you watched it with or like why you went and watched it? I think I watched it. I think I watched it in the cinemas. Mm. But honestly, it's a little bit, I think, like I don't remember a specific time watching it. But it was definitely like in high school. And I feel like I did watch it in cinemas with maybe some friends. Because I think at this time we were, must be year oh, nine actually. Year nine, yeah. yeah. So like 15-ish. Yeah. I have very distinct memories of going to see this. It came out in the school holidays. So I watched that Parramatta Westfields with two friends from high school. I'll say <laughs> now, leave out their names for privacy reasons. So I watched it. It wasn't me. Oh, no, it wasn't you. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> I mean, this might be weird. I'm going to bleep their names out for the actual pod, but I'll say it here. Right. Lol. <laughs> you wish you had seen it with me instead. You can leave that in there. <laughs> and I think it was just like we had seen the trailer and I was like, oh, that looks funny. Like, let's go watch mm-hmm. it. School holidays, nothing better mm-hmm. to do. So I watched it. And specifically, and I loved the movie. Like, it really mm-hmm. resonated with us. We found mm-hmm. it really funny. And then mm-hmm. we actually, like, a couple of weeks after, went to the cinemas to mm-hmm. see it again. But yeah, so I guess both of us really liked the movie when we first saw it. It's been quite a bit of time since I've last watched it. So I don't know if that's the same for you, but did it feel different or has your opinion on it changed much? So I guess my recollection of watching first first time isn't as clear as yours. I did enjoy the movie. Um, as I said, like wording everything, like if came and trickled into our like everyday lives. I think upon watching it as an adult, I think there are a few themes in it that I think kind of stuck out to me previously. And I think a lot of it was pertaining to like motherhood and like all that sort of thing. Cause I think now that we have, well, now that we're a bit older, we have a more of an understanding of other people's experiences um, regarding said motherhood, pregnancy, things like that. Um, so I think it made me appreciate the storyline a little bit more or the characters that are in it. So specifically Jennifer Garner's character, Vanessa, I think. Um, Vanessa, yeah. Yeah. I think her plot, I felt a lot more empathy for, I think, mm. than maybe I would have like thought about. I probably didn't think much about her character other than it just being like a plot line in the movie previously. But now I'm like, oh, okay, I totally understand and I totally appreciate the nuances that this character brings to this story. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But yeah, I think when we start with the movie, like you said, it kind of starts with Juno and Paulie coming together. They're a couple. They do the deed. And she finds out that she's <laughs> pregnant and she's taking a pregnancy test. And there's like the line, like, this is a doodle that can't be undid home skillet. And all those little <laughs> tiny one-liners that maybe yeah. drew us in. I think, you know, going back, there was a bit of criticism that the lines were cringy. But I think to like a 15-year-old Francis, they were just really funny and I enjoyed them. Yeah, I think they're still funny. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't know if we're just more, I don't know, if we like cutesy things in general more so we kind of yeah. I don't know we're more things like lines like this are probably maybe more appealing to us than someone who doesn't enjoy that sort of thing so to me I'm like oh this is the right amount like it's cute 
but I mean, it's still smart. Yeah. Like it isn't just like putting on a baby voice or something and that's cute. Like it, there is intent behind the words and I think it makes the overall movie much more like charming. It kind of gives it like a, a young vibe maybe, a younger yeah. vibe. I think people for people it was like there was a very hipster sort of indie vibe around this movie mm-hmm. and it was definitely like filmed with that sort of budget in mind but it became mm-hmm. like this huge hit unexpectedly, like nominated for heaps of awards made a lot of money. I think Elliot was nominated for an Academy Award, like one of the youngest at the time. Yeah. 20 years old. So yeah, it became like this huge hit. And then I think when movies become big, they just attract a bit more scrutiny. And that's where maybe like criticism for those lines occurred as well. Potentially. But yeah, did you say that Diablo Cody won the screenplay, like the Oscar for the Mm. screenplay for this movie? Yeah. Um, and this is actually her first screenplay, so good not job. bad. Not a bad start. <laughs> and just to digress a little bit, Diablo Cody is actually a pen name. Oh, that's she wasn't born Diablo. Yeah, funnily oh. enough. <laughs> and also, she has a really interesting history. So she was working at an advertising agency, and she was like blogging on the side. And then she quit her job to be a stripper, and then she started writing again. So her whole life, I guess, she's kind of been writing, but. Yeah. And then just was like, I think someone was like, you should write a screenplay. And she was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, why not? <laughs> I think the the way that I saw her bio was that she was just a very carefree spirit, I think, not really tied down by things and mm. a little bit rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a really good, I think a really good track record. She obviously mm-hmm. did Jennifer's Body, which is on our list uh, mm-hmm. for one of our future movies. But she also did a movie called Tully. Yeah. Which I really love, which is about motherhood as well. She has, I think she yeah. does really strong movies about being a woman. What is it mm-hmm. like is it at the stage of being a mother or a teenager, teenager and the, the struggles? Yeah. Like she, age, yeah. She's able to give like a very realistic point of view to those characters. She gives them a lot of love. So I think in turn, they're very lovable characters. I think uh, watching it again, one of the things that struck me is how cute Paulie and Juno are together. And one of my favorite things is after they get pregnant and Juno has to tell her best friend and like her family that, you know, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so shocked that she had sex with Paulie. Yeah. And the cutest thing is is that Juno just doesn't understand why people are shocked. Like she just really loves Paulie and she's like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with him? Like he's so yeah. cool. Like she genuinely thinks he's so cool. She says yeah. lines like, Paulie's great in the chair. Like she just can't <laughs> imagine why people are so shocked. She just has this really genuine and authentic affection for him. It's young love. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so awkward as well. I mean, played by Michael Sarah. Yeah, so this is a, a perfect example of what Michael Sarah is like in most movies, I think. I think this movie, he seems, he's just very, very cute. Like, he's just so, so like, sweet. quiet, but he's also really sweet. And I think it's established as well that they're actually, like, best friends as well. So she just, like, yeah, as you say, has, like, a genuine, like, affection for him. I think, like, one of the funniest things that she says in the beginning, so when she tells um Paulie that she's pregnant, she's like, I'm just going to go ahead and nip this in the bud because, you know, <laughs> pregnancy often leads to infant i thought that that was so (laughs) so blunt yeah (laughs) and just so like carefree and i think it really like shows you what kind of character juno is like just very much like nothing is permanent nothing is that serious like everything's kind of like la-di-da it's life (laughs) 
<laughs> Everything will be fine. And it's, it's really how she is for most of the movie. Probably like to our humor, but also a little bit to her detriment when she can't understand the gravity of the whole situation, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think the stuff I noticed upon this rewatch, like Michael Sarah's character, Paulie, he sleeps in a race car bed. <laughs> it became really clear to me, like, these are actually like, you know, these are kids. This is a baby mm-hmm. having another baby. And I don't mm-hmm. think I noticed as much when I watched it when I was younger mm-hmm. that Juno is very funny. She's super intelligent. And she, you know, she, she has those great one-liners like the one you said. And she feels like she can handle this situation in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then when I watch it now, I'm like, actually, she doesn't know what she's in for at all. But no. yeah, she has that sort of confidence that a teenager does thinking they know everything. I'm grown up. She says at one point, like, yeah. I'm 16, I'm old enough. Now watching as an older person, you're like, oh, you don't, you don't got this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because she has enough sense to know that this is something that she's not qualified for. Like she says, mm-hmm. like, she's just a teenager. She's like pretty uh, ill-equipped, I think is her, her words. So she knows that she's not ready for this stage of her life, but she's also like, again, just doesn't understand what it is that she's getting in herself into as well yeah. <laughs> so yeah it, it is played for humor but it's also like girl like. <laughs> I think one of the most important parts of this movie and that has sort of colored its legacy is the fact that she doesn't get an abortion mm-hmm. so in the movie Juno's first instinct is to just like you said nip it in the bud She's just going to get rid of the baby. Mm-hmm. So she goes to her local, I guess, abortion clinic. I think it's like called mm-hmm. Women something. Women Now. Women Now. She wants to get the abortion now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but when she's there, she bumps into a classmate who is, I guess, protesting abortion. <laughs> she has a sign that's like, no babies like murdering. And she's chanting, <laughs> all babies want to get born. <laughs> I love this line. I have been saying this line for the past two days. Oh, oh baby, want to get born. born. <laughs> and to be clear, I am pro-choice, but I think that line is just funny. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's just funny. <laughs> it's funny because, again, it just speaks to the children who are in this movie. They don't really know. They're just kind of blurting out things that they they know to be true, but only through another person. So I think in this case, you don't. So that one person protests, you don't think that she's like a malicious person or anything. She's just simply like blurting out whatever she's been taught. So she's just like, yeah. oh, baby, is going to be born. Like, it has fingernails, like things like that. Like she's just spitting out facts, but she doesn't, I think you can tell that she doesn't really understand what it is to have choice or have yeah. choice of your own body. Like things like that. Um, it's just the whole gravity. It's very like. A shallow protest, if you must. I mean, no babies like murdering Alice. Who can deny that? <laughs> but what about the murdering of people, Francis? <laughs> uh, so, yes. Witnesses that protest, but she still goes to the mm-hmm. women now to get an abortion. But in there, she just has like like a bad experience. She's nervous. And I think it also mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that she's still a baby. She doesn't have anyone there with her. She's scared mm-hmm. and unfamiliar. And that, mm-hmm. and she just like runs out and feels like she can't do it. Yeah. So I think one of the things to mention is after this movie came out, it was sort of co-opted by both sides where pro-life yeah. people saw this movie as, oh, my God, like, yes, it shows that you shouldn't get an abortion. That's the right mm-hmm. choice to make. We love this mm-hmm. movie versus pro-choice people being like, oh, like, why does it feel like a pro-life movie or, mm-hmm. you know, all those debates raging on. And, you know, since then, through the years, Diablo Cody has said, 
I wish that I wrote it in a different way because she's firmly mm-hmm. pro-choice, but you know, she, she's not happy with the way the movie has been interpreted by some people, which I think it's probably a symptom of the very intense culture that America is in mm-hmm. that maybe we don't experience here in Australia. Yeah, I think the reason for her wanting to change, oh, sorry, to backtrack, if she had written this movie now, I think definitely it would have it would be a different story. And I think it's not necessarily like to do with maybe the interpretation, but I think, yeah, it's just the environment that we're now living in. I mean, Texas just passed its law for um, making abortions illegal above six weeks. And then they've also put like a, I'm going to call it a bounty, but they've put a $10,000 reward. It's it's a bounty yeah. on people to kind of dub others in. Yeah. So I think in like an environment like this where you're like, it's actually serious, like people's well-being, like it's everything's at stake. Yeah, like a story like that probably wouldn't fly the way it's written as it is. But I think at the time where women, finally, weirdly enough, in 2007 had a choice, it didn't feel so bad. And I think the intent of it was that she, you know, did have a choice and she made the choice to not abort it. But yeah, I can see why it could have been interpreted either way. I think for her, she just felt uncomfortable with aborting and that's a totally valid choice, exactly. right? But the point is having a choice. Yes. I think this, yeah, it's probably scary that I think in Australia, we're, we're very lucky where we don't live in that sort of uh, mm-hmm. political climate. It's all decriminalized across Australia. Like you can't protest, there's boundaries, that sort of stuff. So it feels a lot safer than America where, like you said, Texas, like even things like that seem to be set in stone can be overturned and sort of go backwards. Yeah. I think, yeah, I had written this down as well, but like what would Juno look like in 2021, I think is probably a good question to ponder on. So actually I did see um, an article saying, it was talking about a new movie that's coming out. I can't remember what the movie is called, but basically it's about um, a teenage pregnancy as well. And I think it was her trying to get an abortion with the limited resources that she was that were privy to her so um i guess it's probably set in america where it's it's hard to get safe abortions i think and then it was also i think someone had called it the anti-juno and i was a little bit unsure as to what part of you know they were anti yeah. <laughs> because to me i thought like you know we're, we're both strictly pro-choice <laughs> people but to us like this movie doesn't pose a problem in that stage because I think it is even even though there is that protest in the, in the at the clinic and that she does make a cho- uh, choice to not abort it doesn't seem like she's being coerced into either way she yeah. just you know she's a scared teenager who who makes her own choice in that moment she and she sticks with it yeah and then she finds a way to make that work for her so in that Mm -hmm. case she finds someone who will love the baby more than she could ever do so Mm -hmm. yeah is the movie you're referring to potentially plan b because i think i do like hopefully in 2021 girls like juno and boys like paulie have better sex ed and maybe have better options and don't get into this situation in the first place yeah potentially plan b i'm not 100 percent sure on the name yeah, but in saying that this is America, there's no sex education <laughs> yeah. curriculum. They're teaching who knows what in those states. So, you know, the ho- the hope for a better future is not there, <laughs> to say the least. So, yeah. yeah. I do feel very lucky, though, because I think now there's a bit more conversation around abortion. And 
in terms of the movies and the art that's been made about it, Mm -hmm. it's a bit more of a nuanced take. So I listed Mm -hmm. some of like the recent movies. So Obvious Child is one which stars Mona Lisa (laughs) Saperstein. Yeah, I've seen this movie. I know who exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, just Google that name and you'll find her eventually. There's another movie called Unpregnant, which is about a teen girl who goes on a road trip mm-hmm. an abortion. There's also St. Francis. And Plan B is one I haven't been able to watch it because it's not available on any platform. But at mm-hmm. least I think there's more movies out now showing a bit of a more nuanced take that show that mm-hmm. you know, abortion is a very uh, meaningful choice, whatever way you take it, like whether you get one, mm-hmm you don't get one, you get one, but you're sad or you get one, but you're like happy. You love it. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different experiences of it. So I, I think it's nice that maybe kids who are growing up now have, have those sort of options to watch in movies rather than just like a single minded. Cause I think Juno, when Juno came out, there was also like knocked up and another mm-hmm. movie where all in all those movies, the women considered abortion, but they said, no, I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So I think maybe now it's nicer to have more options. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, in yeah, in the in this case, she did decide to go ahead with the pregnancy, and then I think it's it's one of those ones. It's also quite funny because the parents, you know, she sits them down and she has like a serious talk, and they're like super supportive. They're like, okay, we'll arrange um, a doctor for you. We'll go meet the the adoptive parents, and that you will go through it. Like you know, being very mature about it and like not angry with her because again, if what's done is done. And then after she leaves, they're like, she's such a dummy. Like, you know, they keep calling her like dumbass and things like that. So they're all like, you know, she's she's silly. She's a teenage girl. She doesn't know what yeah. she's doing. But they also like really support her. And I think that that's like really like nice to see as well. So sweet. So the parents are played yeah. by Simmons and Alice and Janie and they do an incredible job. Yeah. They're really funny. But yeah, it's so heartwarming to see parents who are just like, yeah. I- you I will help you through this whatever you feel is the best thing for you to do so you know yeah. when she says I'm not getting an abortion I'm going to just like give it to a couple that they found in the penny saver next to like the yeah. parakeets or whatever they're just like okay well we'll help you do that to the best of our yeah, ability we'll help. yeah we'll help you with your choice yeah and then even when they're having the ultrasound and the doctor makes like a snide oh. comment sorry not the doctor the ultrasound technician <laughs> makes it <laughs> She makes a snide comment about teenage mothers, like, oh, thank God you're giving it to adopted parents or someone who can take care of your baby. And they were all like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that comment? You know, and they all like stick up for Juno. Yeah. Kind of like nice to have like, you know, that Juno has like a good support network, I think. It's very, as you say, heartwarming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably worth talking a bit about the couple that is going to receive the baby, which is Jennifer Garner. Um, as the mother, Vanessa, and Jason Bateman as Mark. So they're like this perfect waspy couple. They live in this huge mansion. Mm-hmm. One thing that struck me is that the mansion just look, looks so sad and sterile and boring, mm-hmm. especially when you contrast it with like Juno's house, which is chaotic, yeah. noisy. Liberty Bell, her stepsister, is like being a mess. <laughs> but it just <laughs> seems like a place full of love and warmth when you compare it to um, Jennifer Garner's house. Mm-hmm. And I think in the when I watched it as a kid, like I didn't really pick up on things like the issues or the red flags between Vanessa and Mark. But mm-hmm. when I watched it on the weekend, I was like, oh, my God, like from the first scene, it's so clear that Mark is not ready to be a father. Like this is a yeah. huge mistake. Yeah, that's something I picked up on as well. Like I think 
when we watched it, like when we were younger, it's kind of you're taken a bit by surprise when he is like, I don't want to be dad. And then you have the same reaction as Juno, which is, but you're old. Why don't you want a kid? Um, but like watching it when you're older makes you understand like the nuances. So I think she say, you know, Jennifer, Gar- Jennifer Garner as Vanessa is saying like, oh, are you sure you're going to go through with this? Like, are you like, how sure are you? And Juno's like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, what do you mean? Like she, in her mind, there's no way that like, why wouldn't they believe her basically? Yeah, Juno's just like, you know, I wish I could just pick it out and just give it to you now, but, you know. <laughs> This baby needs more time to cook. Like she's so blasé about it and she just doesn't. Very like transactional in her exchange of the baby. <laughs> she's just like, you know, in China, they just shoot them out of T-shirt cannons. <laughs> but I think like the character of Mark, so he like throughout the whole thing is like, yeah, I'm so excited, but it's almost like said sarcastically. <laughs> and then I think the other thing is um, Vanessa says, you know, like with the whole thing, like, are you sure this is going to go through? And then she's like, oh, it's because I've been burnt before. Like, oh, we've been burnt before. Mm. And it's because someone had cold feet. And then she looks at Mark and then <laughs> it's like clear that the person who had cold feet was Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> we yeah. should have known from the beginning that he um, he wasn't ready. The whole like movie, I guess, talks about different types of parenting. So Mark, I guess, is the one who's not ready to be a parent he doesn't want to be he doesn't want children Vanessa's the one who's kind of like pushing for this agenda and I think she's pushing that into their marriage as well and is driving sort of like a wedge between them and it's probably yeah a thing that you wouldn't have picked up when you're a bit younger because it's a bit nuanced and it's like in the in the build-up of it yeah I think when they're having that conversation with the lawyer Mark just now that I watch it he just looks so unimpressed and so mm-hmm. not into it and then the moment you kind of he shows Juno his guitar room and he all those mm-hmm. snide comments that he makes, like this is the room where I have to put all my stuff or mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to put my stuff anywhere yeah. else. I, he feels caged in and it's so obvious now that I watch it, but before I was just like, oh, he's just, that's his guitar room. <laughs> yeah, like he's definitely harnessing some loss of ego. I think it's, I think um, Vanessa, she's the breadwinner. I think that's what I got from it, like that she makes the most money mm. that this is her house and he just happens to live in it like he's just he's just been given a room by her and then yeah he has all these guitars and so and then he slowly starts um when Juno starts going over there and Juno going over there is very innocent on her part I think she just genuinely just doesn't understand what she's doing um she just thinks oh she's going over to someone's house that she now has a relationship with almost like a friendship but it's yeah. not really like that and I think it's something her mom points out as well like you know he's a married man there has to be boundaries and Juno's like whatever like we're just talking about music and stuff and then you start seeing him like wear his band tees and he makes yeah. a mixtape and you're like this man is a child yes like <laughs> when I was watching it this time I was like this man this grown-ass man should know so much yeah. better he's the adult like even yeah. if Juno coming of it's up to him it's his responsibility to be like no I like go home you know I'm not going to engage with you in this way yeah or draw a line like yeah she's 16 <laughs> 16 and like pregnant and like gonna give yeah. you this baby and I think his sort of apathy to being a dad was really clear to me in that scene where Jennifer Garner's character is setting up the baby's room so she has mm-hmm. like the two yellows painted on the wall yes. like the milk and like custard or something and mm-hmm. they look exactly the same to be mm-hmm. honest, but you can tell she's really taking this seriously and she just, you know, is loving the process, just wants to create the best room for her baby because she loves it so much. 
And you can mm-hmm. see that he's sort of mocking her in a way. And she's trying to explain, I'm nesting. The baby books tell me to do that if you would read mm-hmm. it. And he doesn't want to read it. And I think in when I first watched it, it was like, oh, she's just laughing at his jokes. But now you can see she's just doing this nervous laugh where she's like, ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah. you're mocking me. I think um, my memory of Vanessa, the character, is that she's just very uptight. Totally. Yeah. And she like what's her problem kind of thing yeah like, but why I think, can't she be more chill like yeah, yeah. so like watching it like on the weekend you're just like I felt so bad for her because I could you could see that she wants this so badly and then for whatever reason she hasn't been able to have her own child so she really feels like she's been missing something like she has clearly she has a great career because she's got this huge house um she works really hard she has everything but she just really wants this child and you can tell she's so invested in this idea and I think when Juno says in a very like offhandish way like oh you're lucky this isn't happening to you like she looks just so I hurt <laughs> I just she's like so you can see in her face, like she would give anything to be the person yeah. carrying this child, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just feel so bad for her, I think. And especially now that I think a lot of people are talking about it, experiences with having children and how it's, like, it's not as easy as maybe movies make it to seem or, you know, other people's experiences, like, you know, fertility issues. Like, there are so many things that might come up you know, with your body. So, side fact, when I was in uni, we did uh, – I did, like – biology and Mm -hmm. then they were talking about the sexual reproduction system and stuff and then when I did that course and like learning about how like egg attaches itself to the sperm or the sperm sorry it's the other way the sperm attaches itself to the egg but like things like that like it's actually really difficult it's actually like almost a one in a million chance I'm sure that's not scientifically correct so don't quote me on that but it's really really hard basically to it's really like amazing that the human body is actually able to do this so to think like that people might have troubles conceiving I'm like yeah like it is difficult like (laughs) it is like scientifically it is hard yeah so you kind of like yeah I just felt really bad for her and like you can just see that she wants it so bad she knows everything about pregnancy she's just read all uh, the books yeah it just hasn't hasn't happened to her and I like yeah you can tell that she's gonna be like a good mother and I think Juno sees that too and that's why um, her choice in the end this is the part of the movie where I clearly see that Mark is like a huge man child. Like he's just a baby who never grew up because he connects so much with Juno because they have a shared love of like rock music and like B grade horror movies. Mm -hmm. And the more Juno comes over, the more he connects with her and he kind of regresses into that state of mind again, shows her as comic and starts a bit of an inappropriate relationship with her. And it kind of culminates where she comes over again. They start dancing a bit weird he's getting a Mm -hmm. bit too handsy with her and then Mm -hmm. he says I'm divorcing Vanessa and he Mm -hmm. it's that point was so weird because he says something along the lines of I thought you'd be cool with this yeah like he expected Juno who's giving them that her baby to raise Mm -hmm. as a family like she would like think it's really cool that he's leaving his wife Mm. and I was just like why would you think that like you've clearly misread the situation and also it shows that you understood the situation, but you didn't do anything to like stop it or draw a line. Like you just, yeah. what were you expecting that Juno would be like, oh, cool, you're divorcing. Like, let's keep hanging out. Again, we must emphasize that Juno is 16 years yeah. old. It's t- it's a totally inappropriate relationship and it's of no fault to Juno because she is literally the child yeah. in this situation. He knows exactly what's going on and he still continues to do it. Like you, you wouldn't want someone like that raising a child anyway. So. Mm. <laughs> 
there's a line, I don't know if I'm ready to be a father. And uh, Juno says something you mentioned earlier, but you're so old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People are just parents. Isn't that what you do when you get old? (laughs) It's a very like teenage mindset of what an adult is. Yeah. Very naive. So naive. Yeah. And then she, and then Mark says, you know, I just don't love Vanessa anymore. And then Juno, mm-hmm. again, it like really emphasizes how young and naive and what a child mm-hmm. she is. She says, you're just not trying hard enough. If you love someone once, you can love them again. Yeah. And then she says that line, like, my friend has been with the same person like four times, four different times. <laughs> That's um, exactly the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's a very like childish way of thinking and I think in her mind as well and this really does show her age like you know a baby should be brought up in a family with a mom and a dad and mm-hmm. it's weird because she herself has been brought up in a non-stereotypical family like her mother is actually her stepmother um yeah. they don't really delve much into her story but you know she's in a non-traditional family and she's doing fine so it's it's strange to think that she believes that a baby should be in a nuclear home with a mom, dad, you know, baby, everyone growing up, like, happy, happy together forever. So, yeah, you do see that she kind of has an understanding, though. So, yeah, when she chooses Vanessa as, like, a soul mother, she ha- she does come to, like, a realisation of what a family could be. Yeah, so basically after she realises that they're going to get a divorce, she runs out of the house, drives along, and she has a breakdown in her van. And I think that's a really sweet scene where you see that, you know, she just really loves this baby. She just wants to do the best that she can for it. And she knows that raising it on her own isn't the way to best love this baby. Mm-hmm. Like like she thought by giving it to Vanessa and Mark, she was showing it the best love that she could. And she like apologizes to the baby. But then, like you mm-hmm. said, she has that realization that Vanessa actually is totally capable, has so much love in her and will mm-hmm. do her best to be the best mother ever to this child so she decides that you know Vanessa if you're in I'm still in yeah and then there's a sweet note that I think gets framed where um the family photo could have been yeah yeah very sweet and then I think from there we kind of get the scene where she actually gives birth oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that happens <laughs> And then, yeah, you see everyone being really, really supportive of her. Like, they're all rushing around. They they do the best for her. Like, they all really treat this baby as if it's something that they all want. You know, they've they've incorporated into their lives. And then I think you get that really sweet scene where Vanessa sees the baby the first time and holds it. And she asks, you know, mom what she looks like. And the mom is like, you look like a mom. And I thought that was so sweet. <laughs> she says, like, you look like a new mom scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so sweet. Yeah. I really love yeah. that moment. Like Juno has this really sweet conversation with her dad after witnessing the fight between Vanessa and Mark where she's she's like, can two people ever stay together forever? Like, is that even possible? Mm-hmm. She's really questioning her view of the future and whether like love exists. Mm-hmm. And her dad has like a really sweet answer that you just got to find someone who loves you for who you are, who yeah. at your worst will still love you yeah. no matter what you look like, what's happening. <laughs> and she realizes she loves Paulie. Yeah. And then she like runs to the track field yeah. where he's yeah. like doing laps or something because he's in the track track team. Yeah. Um and his little shorts. <laughs> little he looks so dorky. <laughs> and he looks like such a child. And then she kisses him and they're like, 
you know, that we clearly adore each other very deeply and it's very sweet. <laughs> Their relationship is so sweet because yeah. um, she has this line where she visits Paulie when she's pregnant and huge and she's like, all people notice of me is my belly. And he's like, I think you're always cute. <laughs> he's just Aww. like, her. <laughs> yeah. And he's never like ashamed of her or embarrassed no. that she's pregnant, even though she's like, she's very brave. She goes through high school. <laughs> yeah. Just like being pregnant. Yeah. Like she's huge at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's strange because when she, you can, there's scenes of her walking through high school and everyone like parts ways and then looks yeah. at her strangely, but she's not really affected by that. And I think it's, it's very much because of her personality. She just kind of doesn't care. Like she is who she is. She's very much accepted her personality. But yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because I think it's pretty brave. <laughs> totally. To, yeah, at such a young age, just totally own something or own yourself, I think, is pretty, pretty big. Yeah. She has, like, a lot of confidence in that regard. Mm-hmm. I also love her relationship with her best friend, who is incredibly supportive. She's a cheerleader, <laughs> so they're sort of like friends from across two cliques, almost. I thought it was funny. There's a bit of a nod. Uh, she does say that her friend is in love with or has a thing for teachers, like old teachers. And he's like talking to a teacher and she's like, I love Woody Allen. And I think that was Diablo Cody's way of being like, that guy's a mess. Yeah. (laughs) This ain't no secret. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good to see like, you know, a character where everyone supports her fully. Yeah. She has a great network. She's got good friends. She's got she's got her like family everyone's kind of like rallying up and supporting her in her decisions and stuff and that's like that's what you want to see in a, in a character yeah in yeah. the end yeah juno gives birth that baby is being raised by vanessa her and paulie after a bit of a like i guess a weird tiff like i don't really juno sort of rejects pushes paulie away yeah he happens she... whether it's just not sure about what's happening to her I think she was essentially like frustrated at the situation that was happening and then she says things to him that are like very hurtful but only hurt yeah they're hurtful in a poorly way I think she recommends that he takes someone else to prom and he's just like why would I do that and she's like well you think because I got bored and had sex with you that I'm going to marry you or something like I just took your virginity like she's very yes and and Michael Sarah just looks so sad he does he does. He's genuinely hurt. Like he's yeah. still gonna take Juno despite the pregnancy. He's, yeah. you know, that because it, it, it's it's presumed that they are like good friends as well. So I think like, well, why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was saying like, you know, why would I take her? Her house smells like soup. But like Juno is great to him. Like she's everything. <laughs> yeah, he just loves her. He's like, I know you weren't bored that night. <laughs> yeah, because something was on Blair Witch Project was on TV, which is his way of saying I know you like me. <laughs> yeah, in the end, he gets like a declaration, I guess, from Juno, and she's like, "I think you're the coolest person, and you don't even try." And Michael Sarah in his like little voice, goes, <laughs> "I try really hard, actually." <laughs> oh my god, it's like cutest thing because they're like so baby in this yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, it feels like they could be even younger than sixteen, and you would believe it in this particular scene. Um, just the way that they interact with each other. It's just very like, let's hold hands and hop off into the sunset kind of vibes, you know? Like, So yeah, after Juno gives birth, Paulie's actually at a, like, a track meet. So he wasn't there for the actual ejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the <laughs> ejection. <laughs> but he realizes she's not in the stands. So he like runs to the hospital and finds her. 
And you can see Juno's crying. And I think that's a really sweet scene as well, because, you know, this actually took a lot out of her. And mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning of the movie, she just thought, I'll just, you know, have it and give it to you. Like, I don't know, it's a box of chocolates, right? Like, mm. it, was, it seems so simple to her. And you realize now after she's actually gone through the physical and mental burden of being pregnant and giving birth that it's so mm-hmm. complicated and complex and even though it's the best decision that she could have made she's like emotionally affected and Paulie yeah. just like hugs her and you know it's like very sweet that she has that sort of support from him I, yeah I don't think she was quite ready for the journey she was going to go on no, not at it's, all. It's, an, it's emotional but it's also physical physically taxing on her body on her mind pregnancy is not like one hour and out and done like it's <laughs> It's a long time in the hospital and it's a long time to be in pain. So I don't know what could potentially prepare you for that. And that's coming from me and I've never given birth before and I'm already like, <laughs> I know it's going to hurt. Like, <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, I think I really appreciated watching it again and seeing mm. things from a new perspective, from an older and wiser perspective, some might say. <laughs> yeah, I thought more experienced. Lot- yeah. Not having given birth or anything, but just yeah. experience. So I felt really differently about Vanessa. A lot more yes. sympathetic to her. And mm-hmm. I hated Mark more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely Vanessa. I think that was the turning point for me. Not turning point, but like that was like the definite change for me. Um, watching rewatching this movie. Just having a lot more sympathy for her character and understanding where she's coming from. Also appreciating her her position in the storyline um and also the stepmom who's doing everything she can and she even makes a comment about she can't have a dog because Juno's really (laughs) allergic to her and that was her way of expressing that she's like sacrificing that motherhood takes sacrifice parenting Mm. takes sacrifice and again it's something that maybe we didn't appreciate when we were also 16 years old I was dying she like can't have dogs so she just spends all her time making dog collages yeah scrapbooking and stuff and she's like as soon as you're out of here i'm getting some it's cute at the end you do see she got some dogs whether juno's moved out (laughs) or whether juno's like suffered up and is taking allergy meds she got it (laughs) yeah everyone's had a happy ending (laughs) it's funny though because when allison jane is like saying that and sharing how much sacrifice it takes juno is such a 16 year old brat in that scene Mm -hmm. she's like Oh, well, your life is so hard and just chucks a tan mm. and chucks a slushy into the urn. Yeah. I mean, it's a, again, it's a very teenage reaction. Yeah. Um, I would say that's a pretty true teenage reaction. <laughs> it's exactly what something like I might, have, might not have done the slushy, but I would definitely, if my mum had talked about her sacrifice or something at that age, I would just be like, well, whatever. But obviously, you know now, my life. <laughs> but obviously now you have bigger appreciation for roles like that. Like it takes a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's something that someone at 16 should, shouldn't know and wouldn't know. Yeah. Alison Jane is so sweet. She's like sewing elastics into Juno's jeans. So she has some maternity mm. pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you can see all like the little things that she does. It's not like big grand expressions of love, but it's little expressions of, you know, I'll take you to the doctor. I will be with you or, or your appointments. I'll sew this thing for you. Like those are the sacrifices that she makes, like the time sacrifices, not having a dog. Like she's doing all she can to like do the best for Juno. And, yeah, you know, be there for her. Making Juno take her vitamins prenatal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the important things. Yeah, I still have a lot of affection for this movie. It did not go away. I think yeah. it strengthened it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like 
I feel like now I like the movie even more. Yeah. Um, because just knowing all the characters and understanding all all their stories and everything. So I would definitely rewatch this again. I thought that was really good. Yeah. And if anyone is interested in like more related movies as well, I would definitely recommend like Obvious Child and Unpregnant because they're very yeah. entertaining as well. Her name is Jenny Slate. It just occurred. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I, I can – I know the face, but I don't know the yeah. name yeah. because to me she's a Parks and Rec girl. Yeah. <laughs> Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's funny to watch as well because like – I think we discussed this earlier as well, but a lot of people that we grew up watching as influencers are like having babies as well. It's so weird. Like Zoella oh had gosh. a baby, Jen Yay. had a baby. You know what though? Those are all people who kind of became famous on YouTube at a very similar time. So yeah. when we were in early university, I think, so Zoella and Alfie and the rest of the British crew, like mm. they were all like really quite prominent on YouTube during the years of uni and it's just weird to have them like you know because I think our memories of them are still sort of in that era yeah sorry our most prominent memories are of that era and so to have them like all be settled down and like having children and all that sort of stuff is like very odd it's too real it's a bit weird (laughs) you know not that we know them personally (laughs) but and some unique names coming out of it so Zoella's baby's called Otili. Yeah, I I, I didn't um I knew Reddit, so I wasn't sure how it was pronounced. Okay, I don't know either. I'm just guessing, but it okay. sounds like it. <laughs> it that. looks like it sounds like Atili. Okay. I mean, what other way could you say it? Atile? Atile? I don't know. Should have thought about that before we said anything. <laughs> <laughs> I recorded it, but anyway, it's to me, it's Atili days. <laughs> yeah, that's how I read it. Is yeah. And then I think Jenny's baby is called Lennon, which I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, Lennon. <laughs> Is there another way to say Lennon? Lenon. I, I really hope not. And then whatever her husband's last name is, I forget. So that's B. Jolief or something. Jolif? I don't know. Look. Oh, is it not B? I think his name's Ben. Oh, I see. <laughs> we do our research here. We came prepared. Yeah. But your baby's <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two. <laughs> influences oh wait and also stormy sibling stormy, yeah yeah i think like with the with the kardashian jenners you can never tell what baby like baby names they're gonna pick um mm-hmm. whereas you know like Zoella's probably gonna pick something a little bit more i wouldn't say traditional but something a bit more like old i was thinking like fairy tale vibe yeah yeah 100 percent. do you know i still very much recommend Go watch it if you have Disney Plus. Yeah, love Juno. That was good. That was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And if anything, still important to, you know, fight for reproductive rights, knowing what's happening in Texas, it's very scary. So if you haven't read about it, please do. It's actually quite terrifying. It's so scary. And it's not just Texas as well. It's other states Mm -hmm. who are kind of in that direction or heading towards that direction. And I think... Not to get political, but the most annoying part of it to me is that it's just for politics. Yeah. There are people's, like, lives at stakes and you're just doing this to get a vote. Like, ugh, anyway. Yeah, great. 
And um, I think also worth pointing out that as as like lucky we are to have more stories like being told, like in some of the movies that I've named, like it's still very much a sort of one dimensional, also like one aspect of the story. It's like centered on, you know, white females who generally have the means or like the support of their family or the financial means to mm-hmm. go seek a termination. That's very different for a lot of people, especially in the States where you have to like go on a fucking road trip. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, scrounge up the money for the actual surgery, mm. but also like a hotel and like transport, and it's like insane. So yeah, very very hard, and then also risk a ten thousand dollar fine or oh whatever. So, it's so crazy, like Uber and stuff. Where like we might have to have like pay our drivers lawsuits if they accidentally you know drive someone to a clinic and someone gets a hold of that and wants to sue them or get a bounty. Lyft, the yeah, Lyft. So that's right. They put something into their contract so that they actually pay like your legal fee they get caught mm. yeah i think it's i think they will pay the fine if one of their drivers is caught because it shouldn't be on the driver or the driver shouldn't be responsible for that yeah like they shouldn't technically know about um where a, a person is going and why they're going it's yeah. like an invasion of privacy like things like that where it's like okay at least like companies are there recognizing the problem and trying to help as much as they can. I think the issue is is that it shouldn't be happening in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, like that's the main thing. It's very, very scary. Yeah. yeah. You know, still a good one. Definitely recommend. But I think watch it in conjunction with like other stories is the most important thing as well. Yes, of course. Yes. But yeah, that was good. Next week we are doing... John Tucker must die. So oh I guess going back to <laughs> the tone shift. <laughs> I know, such a tone shift. So I think a few weeks back we were saying, you know, we're doing we're doing like Cinderella and things like that. Like, you know, we needed to do something a bit different. So therefore we did Juno. Now <laughs> we're going back to John Tucker must die. So going back to the <laughs> the rom coms, strictly rom coms from a two thousands era. We'll see how that goes. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a few months, I think, since I last seen it. <laughs> and that's only because John Tucker Just Die was on the star release on Disney Plus. Okay. I think it was like prom- it was like on my homepage and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. So I watched it and then I'm gonna watch it again. <laughs> Better bring some some deep thoughts on that. <laughs> as deep as I can get with John Tucker Must Die. <laughs> yes. I actually wanted to yeah. say as well, like October's going to be a pretty fun month for things to watch. Maybe not for the pod, but for us personally, because there's season two of the Babysitter's Club coming out. <gasps> no way. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and then also we talked about this earlier, but the next season of Succession, which we love. Yeah, which is coming out October 17. I think there love were also it. a few things that are coming out this week on Netflix. Oh yeah, Sex Education is coming out this Friday. Mm. I don't know if you're going to watch this, but Squid Game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I keep saying that. Yeah, I know I will be watching that, um, but I don't know if you will. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I actually wanted to also just like let you know that I watched Vivo, which uh, you recommended. You I loved it. I I found it a lot more emotional than I thought it would be. Like I felt yeah. myself like choking up at the end where they're like singing yeah. songs. Like, oh my God, like I'm crying at this honey bear. <laughs> I mean, this is something we talked about in episode one, but I can't get over Lin-Manuel Miranda as the kinkajou, which we know is not a monkey anymore. It's more like a possum. But yeah. it, it looks so cute. But the voice is of a 40-year-old man. Like 
yeah, it doesn't quite gel. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you look so adorable. You seem so young, and yet you sound like this old man. Yeah, I think like in the movie, the Kinkajou is not a young character, but it is so cute. I don't think he's like young, but I still think he's like like twenties or like something, not forty. <laughs> he's still a bit immature as well. Yeah. I think you just can't like unsee like Lin Manuel Miranda just like himself just jumping from tree to tree or something. Like, yeah. you know, you can totally imagine that happening for whatever reason. I don't know why <laughs> that that's very like visible in my mind. But yeah, it's a bit hard to separate the voice and the actor himself. Yeah. I think um, it would have been stronger if he didn't voice Think He Could You. Because mm-hmm. I think just because his voice is so distinct and connected to an existing character, yeah. that that's like, you, like we said, we, that's all you can think about. And then, I think by extension, the songs kind of seem like, you know, Hamilton B-sides or rejects because it's so mm-hmm. strongly associated with him. But yeah. it is a sweet movie. It's very charming just in terms of nostalgia, seeing the scenes of Cuba. Like I could recognize some of the places. It was just very... I get it. You've been into Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, in case you don't know. But it was just very sweet seeing those places and the memories there. But and then the kinkajou is very cute. The little child is actually voiced by like a 13-year-old or someone really young. So she sounds mm-hmm. very genuine authentic. And I think that makes the kinkajou sound even older. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying is Alice's recommendations are legit. So follow them. <laughs> we watch things so yeah. you know what to watch. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing this for you guys. <laughs> and not because this is simply what we're doing with our times. <laughs> Yes, and also thank you to our listeners. I'm 99.9% sure everyone of you who are listening know us personally, but if there's like that off chance that you don't, I'm very curious to know who you are because I don't know any 0 to 17-year-olds. <laughs> Email us at twofriendsandapod at gmail.com and in Instagram, so we've been we've posted <laughs> two posts on Instagram, so you can DM us there if you really want, if that's your choice of media. I'm pretty sure we know everyone listening to this or they know us through high school or something. But if you're legit strangers, I just, I'm, I'm curious, like, why are you listening to us? How'd you find us? Yeah, I want to know how you found us. Yeah. As well. Look forward to our episode, our next one, on John Tucker Must Die. But until then, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, thank you. Let's get the applause. <laughs> I said this and then everyone clapped.